You're listening to Dialed In, a National Club Golfer podcast. Hello everyone, welcome to an Olympic edition of Dialed In. This week we are looking at the golf competition at the Olympic Games and we'll take you comprehensively through the men's tournament and we'll have a look ahead to the women's tournament as well, which follows next week. I'm delighted to be joined as always by NCG's form expert, Barry Plummer. Welcome, Barry. Hi, Steve. How are you doing? Yeah, let's get straight into it. Olympic Games, thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I think, um, you know, we've, as you mentioned uh, uh, on the last podcast, I think we, we've exhausted, obviously, all of the major championships now for the men. And, um, and you know, coming now into the Men's Olympic Games uh, competition, it just gives us something else to, uh, to get excited about, I suppose. Uh, so, yeah, looking forward to what should be a good event with a strong field. Well, if only some of golf's top players were as enthusiastic about this tournament as you are Barry um, obviously a raft of big names not turning up some because they think the FedEx Cup is more important others unfortunately because they've contracted Covid we've got um, an interesting field some very good players in there but obviously not a run-of-the-mill field that you might see on the PGA Tour or the European Tour because we're representing countries yeah, and you know it gives some of those players, I suppose, who who you wouldn't usually consider maybe um, a bit of an outside chance. Really, it's not a massive field, and um, you know everybody when they're competing in an event like this, I suppose for some players this will be the highlight of not only their season but but their career as well. And um, you know getting to represent their country um, and Olympic Games is a huge deal. We know uh, Tommy Fleetwood's been um, very publicly pleased with the fact that he's getting to represent Team GB. So. Yeah, again, for those guys who, who are managing to represent some of the nations who, who maybe haven't got as strong a chance as others, they certainly won't be writing themselves off. Yeah, and such is the nature of this tournament that the defending champion doesn't get a look in. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's a shame, isn't it, for Justin Rose? I mean, uh, but we've got some some solid contenders, I suppose, uh, uh, in and around there that can uh, that can bring it home for us and uh, the two players that I've, I've noticed straight away in that Tommy Fleetwood and, and Paul Casey have both been getting into some decent form recently and you know there's uh, no reason why they couldn't do what Justin did and bring the gold medal home for Team GB. Yeah we're at Saitama in Japan uh, for this event so tell me a little bit about the course. Yeah, so um, what we do know about the course is that it's uh, it's going to be quite difficult. Um, it's zoysia grass all the way across the fairways um, and the rough, and then you've got bent grass greens. Um, but one of the main things that you're going to have to factor into your considerations this week is the heat and humidity. Um, we already know that a lot of the athletes have struggled with that since they've got out to Japan, and uh, it's going to be no different for the golfers, obviously having to spend long periods of time for four days uh, out there trying to play their best stuff. Um, you know, the main danger is really the fact that obviously it's a tree-lined Parklands course, so you're going to have to avoid the natural hazards. Um, but also the rough is very thick um, and it's going to be difficult to uh, to play out of, much like it was, I suppose, at the British Open, uh, sorry, the Open Championship recently. And um, yeah, so I suppose that what we're looking at here is a, a bit of a tough test and I wouldn't expect a huge score to win it. 
Yeah, good save on the Open Championship. Um, <laughs> give me the lowdown on Zoyser, if you could. I mean, like, how does it differ between what these guys will be playing, say, for example, at Royal St George's? Yeah, I mean, it's just, I suppose the main thing is that he's not seen as often, I suppose, as some of the other grasses we expect to see on a lot of the major event courses that we see uh, across the European Tour and the PGA Tour. Um, I think the players will be more familiar, obviously, with the bent grass greens that they can expect to see um, when they get to the course. Um, again, I, I don't think it's going to play too much of a factor in that, deciding the outcome of the winner, but it's, the, it's definitely something that they need to consider. Let's move on from agronomy to contenders and uh, the market as we are recording. It has um, Colin Morikawa at the top, uh, seven to one, as, as short as 13 to two with some verbs. Not unsurprising for the Open champion, um, backing up as quickly to be the favourite with the bookies. Xander Schofley in next, Justin Thomas, obviously the pair representing Team USA. Victor Hovland at 12 to 1. Hideki Matsuyama will be a very popular selection um, in his own country for the hosts. Rory McElroy. so much has been written about whether the Irishman really wants to play in these Olympics or not. Paul Casey heading up the Great Britain contingent next at prices between 12 and 16 to 1. It's a very tightly packed um, table of odds, isn't it, at the moment? I mean, we're so used over the last few weeks to seeing almost Tiger-esque levels in, say, Ram being so far ahead of the rest of the field. But here, you know, we've got from, from 7 to 1 to 12 to 1 packed with about six players. I mean, does that give you an indication of... Um, how tough a tournament this is going to be for the players, or is it more that the traders are scratching their head here and thinking who's going to win? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. It's a bit of an odd um, betting market, really. Some players in certain places that I'm a bit confused as to why they're there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's the latter. I think it's the bookmakers are, are not really knowing what to expect from this. Obviously, it's something we only see uh, every four or in this case obviously five years um, and uh, you know the different things different courses that we've maybe not seen before different conditions and I think that it's going to be a case of trying to put your judgment as best as you can knowing what you know about the players um, and how they play and where they play best uh, and trying to pick a winner out of there. Well let's before we get into your selections take a look at um, some of the high profile figures who perhaps didn't make the cut for you and and maybe surprisingly for listeners given that you've picked them up already, Tommy Fleetwood and Paul Casey, neither of your selections. I mean, do you think there could be a Justin Rose vibe going on with Tommy? He seems, um, for someone who's not massively animated from week to week, he seems enormously enthused about this event. Yeah, he does. It's been something which, you know, I've been following for a number of weeks now on, on Twitter. And uh, he, he's obviously very excited about being there in the whole um, vibe around Team GB is obviously very positive, uh, especially as we've you know got going with some gold medals, and I'm sure he would be um, loving to add one of those to the uh, to the team's total. And you know, for for Tommy, he's had a bit of a an up and down sort of year or two, I suppose. He's been a very much a nearly man a few times, and um, has let you know let himself down a few times with his performances when it matters. But um, we all know the quality he's got. He's he's the sort of player who could turn up and win this uh, and, and bring it home for us, as I mentioned earlier on. Paul Casey is definitely the more informed of the two. Um, he's playing really consistent golf. Um, he has he has done for most of the season. And um, it, perhaps if he was a bit bigger in the prices, I would have been quite tempted with Paul Casey. But um, he seems a bit short for me as, a, as an outright. 
Yeah, McElroy, I mean, uh, another ineffectual week, I think it's fair to say it, at Royal St George's. You know, he, he, he won earlier on in the year, but I think even his team were saying, you know, well, it's, it's great that we've won, but we're not there yet. I mean, is he ready to carry your money? He's as big as 14 to 1, but there's nothing there's nothing hugely in his form to suggest he's suddenly going to win a medal. And, and would you be alarmed by his pre-match statements about really not being bothered about, about this event? Well, I think we've, we've seen that a lot from Rory McIlroy, haven't we, over the last sort of 12 to 18 months where his attitude towards his golf has sometimes been a little bit absent and you know especially with the absence of the fans and things like that he, we we know publicly that he really struggled to motivate himself to uh to do his best stuff and obviously out now with Pete Cowan and trying to get himself back to where he was that win as you said did mask it a little bit um but his other performances have been nowhere near the macro we expect and again he's another player who if he was coming out before and saying that you know he's he's dead up for trying to win this and you know it's another opportunity to to add something else to his CV and he's excited about it. he may have been one that I'd consider but when you've got an out of form Rory McIlroy who doesn't seem particularly bothered um, he's not the most appealing of selections. Well, let's get on to your choices then. Uh, there are three of them for the men's Olympic golf competition. You've not swerved all of the favourites. You've picked one. Um, very handy Norwegian to come in for you at 12 to 1 with that 365. Yeah, Victor Hovland uh, is a player who, who you can count on a lot of the time to to come up and uh, and put 100% effort in and, and, you know, someone who I'm sure will be relishing the opportunity to represent his country at the Olympic Games. Um, he's already obviously won a couple of times um, at courses, which I suppose maybe not translate perfectly, but it, it, it tends to say that he, he should cope with the heat and the humidity. He's one in Mexico and Puerto Rico. Um, and, you know, he's got so much potential moving forwards for, for his career. And this really would be another thing that he could add to it. He plays some really consistent golf. We know that already in the last six months, he's ranked fourth for strokes gain total, third for strokes gain approach on a course where we think that strokes gain approach is going to be quite important. Um, measure uh, and obviously having won just a few um, starts ago, three top uh, three finishes in his last seven events. He's somebody who um, you know I can definitely get behind and think he's an okay price for his uh, his ability. Yeah, just scanning through his results in major championships. I mean, and you know, Royal St George's last week was actually his best, um, tied twelfth. At a tied 13th at the US Open last November at winged foot. But, you know, as a couple of PGA Tour wins, obviously won the BMW International Open earlier on this year. But, I mean, he hasn't really contended, has he, in top class events yet? No, no, and you're exactly right. But this is the sort of event I think which, it's not, because it's not a major championship, it doesn't bring, I think, that same sort of pressure from the golfing world, I suppose, of the spectators that. Um, that you would expect from a major championship, but it is still a very important event and something which can, I suppose, be that booster and that sort of next step um, up to getting uh, towards competing in a major championship. And, you know, I, I don't think there's anybody who would say confidently that he won't win a major championship in the next, uh, you know, five, ten years because he's a great young player. But if, uh, if he can... Um, start off by showing that he's got the potential in a, a relatively strong field to go and take an event like this. It's a good step forwards. I mean, how do you see this event in terms of the field? You know, we often have a look at the Masters for the chaff 
that's among the wheat, to put it bluntly. You know, it's often said, isn't it, to be one of the easier majors to try and get your hands on. I mean, you know, do, do you feel is there kind of like half the field here who basically can't win? Yeah, I mean, you if you look down at anyone sort of above 100 to 1, I'd say, um, you, you, you are really looking for a bit of a miracle there. There's not a lot of great form. Um, there's some players who are struggling to win on their own respective tours, some of which aren't, you know, regularly playing on the PGA or European tours. Um, and, you know, it's not to say that they can't go and put in a, a great four rounds and get themselves up into the places. But for me, I think in, in this type of event, you're looking at the top sort of 20 in the market to find the winner. Yeah, I've just looked at Jazz at 200 to 1. <laughs> yeah, that's that. I mean, and that it's interesting that you picked him out because he's the only one really looking at those players that, that I would be thinking, you know, that's quite an interesting price. Um, and I think that is probably a little bit too high. But again, recent form, pretty average, um, although we know he can turn up and just be absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, and, and the problem with this is, as you quite rightly point out, this is not a major week, so we are not getting the kind of each-way terms um, that we would normally get. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at odds checker, so you know, forgive me if I'm giving you information um, that you don't know, but I mean, like, Bet365 offering three, a fifth at three um, at three places, up to seventh to a fifth at William Hill. Now, the difference in price between Jazz there is between 175 to one and 125 to one. So, um, I mean, obviously, if he comes in for you at that price, you, you may well you may well think that that's a hit worth taking. But, you know, we're not getting 11 places, are we, yet? that we would that we were just a, a couple of weeks ago? No. And, and you you'll notice, I think, even in the the players that I've picked as my outsider in long shots, which I know we'll get onto shortly, I've picked them because I think they genuinely can win rather than just usually my outsider bet is somebody who, you know, I, I, I'm quite confident on them getting an each way place. And, and if they win, that's a bonus. But I, um, I think that the players that I've picked today have the potential to go on and win the event. And uh, that's why, you know, the value, I suppose, you're not seeing three figure prices in my selections this week and uh, a little bit more conservative. Well, let's get on to your next selection then. And, and one of the stories of the season so far. Yeah, Garrick Higo, 45 to 1. Um, the, this young South African golfer for me is, is what golf is all about. He's so exciting. Uh, he's got a great career ahead of him. Um, he absolutely tore apart the European Tour and PGA Tour recently when, you know, winning a couple of times. Um, in quick succession on the European Tour, they're going straight into the PGA Tour and winning uh, in his first event there. Um, just shows, again, the quality that he has. Um, I think that he's maybe gone off the boil a little bit recently um, in terms of you know his form. But when you look at before that, I suppose, he, he's missed four of the last five cuts is basically what I'm trying to say. But before that, he did win three times and only finished outside the top 10 once in six starts. So, um, he's only got to get that little spark back, which, as you can tell, he comes across. He's quite a fearless um, young player. He's going to go to these games and thinks so I've got the chance to to represent my country and win them in Olympic gold very early on in my career. And I don't think that will phase him. I think he'll be somebody who will step up. Uh, and as a really strong putter, um, that could really count in his favour this week. Yeah, I mean, no surprise, really. He hit a very rich vein of form. Um, made the most of it, capitalised on it. I suppose when you've when you've done that and you've locked your card up both on both tours really for the foreseeable future, it's only natural to have 
um, a kind of letdown, I suppose, there mentally. I'm sure that um, that he'll be back, though, as you said, he's just too good. Um, the golf we saw in that stretch on the European Tour in particular was just phenomenal. So um, he may well um, find the Olympic Games to his liking and the opportunity to represent his country, an inspiring one. So let's move on to... Your last selection, you, you, you say the long shot, but I've, as you've already said, you've qualified that. Um, a Colombian for you at 55 to 1. Yeah, it's Johnny Vegas. Um, he's been uh, there or thereabouts a lot recently. I've been keeping an eye on him on his, uh, on his various starts on the, the PGA Tour. And although he's a player who I've not necessarily gone to a lot over you know the, the period of the last few years, um, he is somebody who's got loads of experience. And when you look at him in a field like this, um, coming off the back of some really good performances, um, this will be a big event for him. Again, that sort of pa- uh, patriotism of representing his country. Um, he hasn't won lots um, in big events. So this will be probably the highlight of his career if he was to go and win this gold medal. Um, but when you look at the fact he's got two runner-up finishes in his last four starts, including uh, last week at the 3M, uh, he he's going to be going in um, quite a good mood, I, I assume. Um, he's a, a really good ball striker. Seventh strokes gained off the tee, 24th strokes gained tee to green in the last three months. Uh, heat and humidity won't be a problem. Um, and I think that, you know, at a big price, uh, you, you can't really look much further down um, than Johnny Vegas if you want to be picking a winner, in my opinion. Let's move on to the women's tournament, which follows in a week's time. So we've got a double header of a dialed in for you this week. Um, again, uh, top class players, really. I mean, there's not many people missing out actually on the women's game, is there? All the big stars are pretty much here for the Olympics. Absolutely, yeah, hundred percent. And when you look at the fact that you know you've got Minji Lee, who's just won a major championship last week, you can get at twenty to one. That was one that immediately stood out to me. Um, again, when you've got a major champion, a recent major champion that far down the betting list, you can tell this is a strong field. Um, so it's going to be difficult to pick a winner in this event. But you've had a go and you have selected a major champion as your headline pick. Yeah, Yuka Sasso, um, 23 to 1. Um, I know you can get other prices in, in other places, but I think that that's a, a lot of value for a player who's very early in her career. Uh, has already won a major championship, as you said, at the uh, Women's US Open. Um, and, you know, after becoming the first Filipino winner of a major championship, men's or women's, um, it would be a real honour, I suppose, for her to then uh, take home the Olympic gold, uh, flying the flag for the Philippines. Um, she's been in great form of late, as we know, one win, three top 10s and seven top 25s in her last seven starts. Um, and when you've not finished outside the top 25 in, in your last seven uh, attempts at golf tournaments you know that you're going to give yourself a great chance going into this sort of event um, I think that she should have been shorter in the market if I'm honest I was quite surprised to see her there um, and that's why I will be looking to take full advantage of a price which may not be around by the time we get to the start of the event next week yeah I mean you you really can stick a pin in this field to try and find the winner. The quality is so deep. I mean I'm looking at Brooke Henderson at twenty to one, you know Lydia Coe at 18s. Lexi Thompson at twenty two is obviously uh, a, a bitter disappointment for Lexi at the u s women's Open, and she's obviously dropped a little bit in in form since then. Um, tied 52nd at the PGA Championship, the Women's PGA Championship. And do, do you think 
Lexi's the kind of uh, player that donning the stars and stripes can inspire. Yeah, absolutely. And it, as you mentioned, the, the, the quality in the field means that all of the players are going to have to raise their game. And uh, that's going to show that uh, the cream will rise to the top, I suppose. And I think Lexi Thompson, we know, has got undeniable quality. Um, again, as, as you said, uh, unfortunate recently, but some great form coming into the event. Um, and I think that, you know, if she uh, if she was to win the gold medal and take it home for the States, it might just uh, make her feel a bit better about recent events. I mean, you just you look down the field and you see the likes of Emily Pedersen and Sophia Popoff, who like dotted around at Evian without doing a great deal in, in essence. But, you know, to see them at 100 to 1, I mean, there there is value there to be had, isn't there? If you can get the right player on the right week. Yeah, there, there's more value in this field than there is in the men's Olympic field. Definitely. Um, and, and I'd actually argue that there potentially is a much better depth of quality as well. Um but, you know, from looking at that, you, you, as you mentioned, you've got Sophia Popov there who's a recent major winner as well. And, and you're getting at 100 to 1, even though form's been a bit hit and miss. She still had a runner up in her last six finishes. Um, and, and we know that she, she can quite quickly turn it on and play well. Um, and, and we um, are, I suppose, trying to um, hypothesise how much certain players are going to want this event. Um, and how much of an impact that will have on their performance. Because, you know, I've also, uh, which I know we'll get on to shortly, found somebody who I think is an incredibly big price um, and should have a good chance. Yeah, the more I look at this field, the more excited to actually watch this competition. Um, but we've asked you for your banker and you provided it in UCASA. So let's get on to your outsider. Um, a quality player, um, a lot of Solheim Cup pedigree here. At 60 to 1, uh, why is Anna Nordqvist this price? Yeah, asking myself the same question. I, I remember going back to uh, 2016 in the men's event, obviously we had Henrik Stenson, who I think fits a very similar bill actually to Anna Nordqvist in that uh, very experienced player, obviously another Swedish player, um, a major champion, and obviously we took Justin Rose quite close. And um, I'm sort of envisaging a similar sort of performance from Anna Nordqvist in this event because um, eight LPGA Tour wins, two major championships, um, certainly not overall by the Olympic stage. We know already because she was 11th at Rio 2016. Um, that experience is going to be important because there are a lot of players in this field that won't have competed at the Olympics before. Um, she's had two fifth place finishes in her last five starts. And I think that the play for, for Nordqvist is if she gets to the front early, she might be difficult to outmanoeuvre for those who maybe don't have as much experience as she has. So it's going to be important for her to get a fast start. Yeah. And um, I mean, who would begrudge Anna an Olympic medal with the career that she's had? Moving on to your final selection, the long shot. Um, you have a three figure price for us here. So it actually is a long shot. Reveal all, Barry. Yeah. So it's Sanna Newtonen um, representing Finland. She is a, a name that people who follow the ladies European tour will know well um, this is obviously a big step up but she's a huge price and a, a form on the ladies European tour suggests that she's a quality player um, you actually can get much bigger prices elsewhere than 100 to 1 and that um, is also interesting as you mentioned earlier on to look at the places on offer at different uh, bookmakers but um, she's had six top 10 finishes in her last nine starts I mean that in, in itself for me is a big enough reason to uh, take a gamble on this selection. Um, three of those finishes were in the top three. Uh, she's, as in each way, I know, again, you'll have to look at the, the places on offer, but 
um, she's an interesting contender and, you know, with no real pressure because nobody, I suppose, is expecting a great deal uh, from a hundred to one shot and a, and a golfer from Finland in the um, women's Olympic event. She's got no pressure and she can go out and play with freedom. And if she plays some of her best golf, she could give herself a chance. Yeah, as big as 250 to one in, in some places, round about 200 consistently with firms who are offering uh, slightly less in, in terms of favourability. You're largely getting uh, each way terms over five places here, one firm offering six. Um, but a lot of those um, bookmakers offering a quarter of the odds. So, I mean, as Barry says, really key to shop around. And it may be, you know, as, as we indicated earlier that at 250 to one you're happy to take a fifth of the odds to get yourself another place because of that price you know you, you're taking the punt you're expecting them to figure or possibly figure in the each way running rather than the um, winners market so Barry's put six selections up there across the men's and women's Olympic Games competition not getting out of here Barry without giving us your best bet of those six who is Baz's banker for the next couple of weeks uh, I think that because of the price on offer uh, being a little bit surprising and the fact that she's won a major championship um, in the not too uh, recently I should say um, I think that Yuka Sasso is, uh, is a great selection for anybody looking to have a banker bet in the Olympic events. So there you are. Best of luck if you are following Burying. Please remember if you are having a bet to gamble responsibly. If you want to read more about Barry's selections, you can do so in his columns at nationalclubgolfer.com. Barry's on his holidays now uh, for a week, so we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Cheers for your company as always, Barry. No problem. Take care, Steve. And thanks to you for joining us. We'll see you again for another edition of Dialed In. Cheers.